right, Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Ben's Brunani woman, this baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. Almost got that first win. First F1 win in your life. But everybody knows. Almost now make it my guy. <laughs> oh my god. Oh lord. Oh my I didn't actually even have a song and that just like it was a moment of inspiration before I started recording. Um, you know, just really rem- remixing there. Brandy almost doesn't count. Um in honour, I guess, of Lando Norris, who almost, almost got his first F1 win. And whew, then the rain came down. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, make it rain forever. Yeah. Anyway, um, that was mean. That was really, really mean. I'll go into that. Um, I'll go into that shortly anyway, because he drove a good race. Like, as much as, like, I've cussed him in previous episodes... He drove a really, really good race. And then, you know, God said, make it rain on these hoes, you know? And um, and that's indeed truly, indubitably what took place. Um, but we'll get into that shortly. I don't know. I've got such a presenter's personality because if I, when I tell you, I, upon pressing record I was just like I do not want to fucking record because I'm my mood was so was so um interrupted by some recent correspondence that I was just like fuck it I'm not gonna record I'm not gonna do anything because I'm angry and I now need to drag some people but instead I was just like you know what you just record your thing because like the podcast brings you life like you love doing the podcast you love doing what you do so do that you know and um wayward people will always be wayward and you just yeah you just keep it moving so here I am recording and my voice sounds so effervescent, so lively. Um, I guess maybe also that what contributes to that is that for most of the week I've been on bed rest. Like I've just known that I was reaching that point where I was just absolutely exhausted. So it actually, yeah, I, I've been literally in bed most of the time. I've gone for like short walks, gone for like a cute lunch near the end of the week. I went for like a cute lunch, cute brunch. But other than that, I've just been um, in bed, but that doesn't mean I'm, I've not been working. And that's part of the problem. I want to get to the stage where when I say that, you know what, I need to rest and I'm not doing anything whatsoever, then it means that I can actually do that. But what usually happens is like, oh, I need to rest, but actually I've got this anti-racism workshop that needs to be done. Um, and, oh, I've got to answer this email or I've got to take this quick call and everything's just quick, quick, quick. And then I'm noticing that certain emails aren't being picked up. So I'm doing them on top of like trying to rest. So 
it's a lot and then you know like self tapes come in as well and you lot know how fucking hate self tapes i hate them so much like i'm talented the fuck i'm talented why do i have to keep recording audition tapes guys i'm sexy for fuck's sake i'm sexy yeah here i am self tape after self tape then when it's time to now book somebody, you're not being booked. But I know that God's time is the best time. But honestly, I swear down, I fucking hate self-tapes. But I'll do them. I'll do them if need be. But we need to get to the point where we're just like, Kelechi, oh no, Kelechi's sexy. Like, just give her the role. Um, Just give her the role, it's fine. And I know that we're headed there one day, one day. I truly believe that, like, God willing, inshallah, like, after my 36th birthday... like the world will just look so different like prior to that the world is looking amazing anyway like the world is just fantastic and I I'm truly having the best time in this human experience now that I'm learning how to best use my power um but you know I just feel like things will you know will pick up will pick up and it'll just be worse worse and then people will be like oh my god overnight success nah fam overnight nothing because I've been here I've been here being talented and amazing all of this time giving the girls the things doing the bits doing the bobs for the baby girls baby boys and baby non-binaries so you just discovering me last night does not mean that I am an overnight success okay so um anyway that was a very long tangent but um so I've been in bed so now I'm seated upright and even for the the anti-racism workshop. Do you know how I did that? I had a sh- um, had my shower, well, a bucket bath, really, because I enjoy my bucket baths. So I had my bath, my bucket bath. And for those who don't know what a bucket bath is, go and look it up. Um, it's actually economical. And then what you're going to find is that white people in about, let's say three and a half years or less, will now turn around and be like, guys, guys, guess what I've just discovered? So the most economical way that we can bathe ourselves, apart from just not bathing, is that we um, put water in a bucket and get a smaller bowl and pour the water on ourselves. Because that way we're controlling, we're controlling the amount of water that we're actually using, rather than just letting it just cascade over us and our hair and just kind of like trickle down to our legs. Um... And so then it's going to be a whole vibe. Literally everything that we've been doing in our cultures for centuries that we were laughed at for, people will start doing again. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. Like nothing new under the sun. Everything goes round in a circle. The circle of life. Yeah. I am on one. What the fuck? Um... So yeah, so what was I saying? So I had my bucket bath, right? And then um, got dressed, did a little piece of makeup and like put clothes onto my top half. And then actually I was just wearing knickers on my bottom half and I was just propped up on the bed and I gave the most amazing anti-racism workshop. It was to an um, American organisation because I did one for their um, European, one of their uh, European branches. And they were like, oh, you should get Kalechi. So I did the American one and I was just thinking like, right, um, they're probably going to know quite a bit of what I'm about to say because they are in America. And I feel like in America, the conversation regarding race is just a bit further along 
a bit further along, quite a bit further along in comparison to the UK. But the feedback that I got was incredible. They were like, yeah, we weren't even taught this in school. Thank you so much, Kalechi, for doing this. We'd love to have you back. And that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Like kind of workshops or the keynote speeches that I give. By the time I've talked for like 45 minutes, like it's very, very clear that this has to be like um, a course. Like I would need to actually teach the things that I talk about as a course, as opposed to a 60 minute, 45 minute session, because I only just give you the basics. And then now telling you how the basics feed into everything else, like giving you the foundation and showing you how the seeds planted in within this um, soil gives us what we now have you know, that's going to take a while. But, you know, the main thing is that at least I disrupt what people think that they know. And then, you know, we can always come back to visit the rest of the conversation. And so that's why it's extremely frustrating, because I'm actually going to tell you a little piece of what was getting me vexed before I, it was time to record. And, you know, most times I don't be talking about all of the things in my, like my daily personal life too tough because people are too inner. That's when they'll, that's when you start sending me dreams. Oh, Kalechi, I had a dream. And da, 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 da. No, I don't want to fucking hear it. Um, so anyway, um, Lev was at nursery and he got stung in the neck by a wasp. The nursery called me and they were like, oh, this happened. So instantly I'm like, rah, thank God, my baby boy, my baby boo, the love of my life, the absolute sun that shines in my sky is not allergic to that because that would have been mad. And that kind of was about to set off my anxiety in the maddest way. Like I work so hard to not spiral um, when it comes to um, my child and just, you know, general things that I can't control, you know, in life. And it kind of reminded me, um, when that happened as well, about just how bad, how much I had to fight um, postnatal depression when I had Lev. Like, even thinking about it now makes me teary. I had to, like, claw my way back, even then, like, recording the podcast while doing all of that. Like, motherfucker, like, people don't even know the things that I have to do in terms of, like, daily battles to just keep going and showing the fuck up for everybody else. And that's not even as a way to martyr myself. It literally, it's what I know that I'm called, like, to do. It's part of what I'm assigned to do, I guess, in this stage of my kind of earthly existence. But that doesn't mean that it isn't exhausting. And so to feel like there were times when I would just like, lock myself in the bathroom and just sob and sob and sob because I was just exhausted. I feel like the whole process of birthing, of pregnancy, of birthing can just be so overwhelming and such a shock to the system. And especially if you're somebody that has experienced um, trauma before, um, you know, sexual trauma or anything like that in the past, it can, it can just really knock you. And so being a kind of like, um, person that I am, I'd already implemented, I'd already made sure that I had like therapy in place. I had this in place, that in place to just make sure that I was keeping myself on track so I could do everything that I needed to do. But that doesn't mean that it was like easy, you know? So when it comes to certain things that regarding my family, my son, like I will absolutely tear your throat out of your neck when it comes to anything to do with my family. Like, I don't play that. Not in jest, not in nothing. Like, don't refer to them. You've seen how much I come for people when they even make any sort of suggestion like that on the podcast. I don't play that. I don't play it. Simple. Simple. So, um, they've called me now, they've told me this thing and I'm just like, you know what, need to stay calm because 
if I start losing it, it's just going to be a madness. And I understand that these things happen, you know, but fam, like, what were you lot looking at? What were you lot looking at when the wasp was going? What were you man looking at? But fine. All right, cool. So my partner now goes to go and um, get Lev at the end of the day. And then one white woman comes to the door, handing him over. And he's just like saying to her, like, brah, it's a bit mad that this happened. I'm glad that he's okay. But we all know like what the potential risk could have been. And that was really, really scary for us. And my girl responds with, yeah, but that could have happened even if he was with you. And so now I'm wondering, like, are you a wayward individual? Is everything all right upstairs? And I have a feeling that some of you who work there know about this podcast and you know about me. So warn your people then to mind out before they rascal Clark find out. Yeah. So now she said that and he's come back to tell me and I'm just like, yo, he said, like, don't worry, I asked to speak to the manager and I convey, I told them as well, like, that kind of comment is not helpful because it's not about what would have happened if it was with me. The fact of the matter is that he was with you and that happened. So I'm just letting you know that could we pay better attention um, in the future. Now, my issue with that is as a white woman, this child, mixed race child, so that proximity to blackness, you're just like, oh, well, yeah, it would have happened if it was with you. Like, would you have said that to a white parent? Would you have said that? A little white girl, let's say a white girl, a little white girl gets stung in the neck, neck by a wasp. Are you going to say to their, um, to a white mum, oh yeah, well, you know, it would have happened if it was with you because I keep using white girl and white women specifically because you would not have said that. But because it's a mixed race boy, what, that makes it okay? Like, mm. so he's vexed now because he's just like, what the fuck? What that's not helpful in the slightest. Tells the manager, manager's pretty much very dismissive of it. Next morning, he takes Lev in, and when he sees the same girl again, um, they he's still not feeling great about it. He says to her, like, actually, I don't even want you to look after my child. So if there's if there's other people today, they can look after my child because after your comment yesterday, wasn't feeling it. Left it as that. Next thing I know, I'm getting told that oh, you know, she was very very frightened when he said that, and she was crying the entire day. She was so upset, like we can't stand for this under any circumstances. Rah rah rah, and you're gonna get an email from our owner because rare, rare, rare. I said, all right, cool. So I emailed first and I was just like, let me let you know, right, that from the womb, black children are already put in certain societal spaces at a disadvantage, right? And so it is an issue if something happens to my child, my fucking child, my pride and joy, right? Something happens to my child, whether you thought that you could have controlled it or not, something happens to him. And then you say, well, that would have happened even if he was with you. How is that helping anybody? How is that um, a, a, um, a demonstration of empathy or any sort of tact? when you're looking after somebody's child. So if the father now wants to let you know that actually I don't feel comfortable with you specifically being around him, if you're so dismissive of this, you can cry if you want. Like it's your party, baby. You can cry if you want to. But the fact of the matter still remains like you shouldn't have been moving like that in any sort of way. So I wrote that and I was just like, look, I don't like to bring my job into what I do here. Like I've let you man know from the beginning, like these are the certain things I expect security wise, my child, 
Um, and I, but I don't talk about my job, but let me let you know that this is my field. So I re- I'm saying that because I've literally just finished giving like speeches to people in other countries about the dynamics of race and racism. But I'm telling you and you just being an everyday nursery owner, I'm telling you about those same dynamics. And then you are second guessing me telling me in your email, well, yeah, it's, we find it abhorrent that you'd even um, um, reference race and nationality while bringing this up. And if you feel that way, maybe you should take Lev out. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Oh, well, um, in case you didn't know, there's no how it could have been about race. It's got nothing to do with race because um, um, the practitioner that you're talking about has a mixed race child. And then the nursery manager, she has a mixed race child. And in fact, my wife is mixed race. Oh, so because everybody has um, some kind of um, black in and around them, that means that my concerns are invalid. Meanwhile, we know that white women, when they have mixed race children, the moment they're angry with them, can easily call them nigger at any time. So my point being here that it doesn't matter whether you have a mixed race child or a mixed race partner, you are not absolved of the consequences that come with being socialised in a racist system. You are not above it. There's nothing that makes you above it. Not Ofsted, not no, not not Crookstead, not Cowfootstead. There's no there's no Onstead. There's no Stansted. There's no Ross Clarkstead that can make you above it. Meanwhile, you've got an, you've got um, a complaint out against you from through Ofsted by another parent. Like, so I feel like everybody needs to calm down. Everybody needs to calm down. I was just infuriated because how are you? This is like my literal fucking profession. This is literally my fucking area of expertise. And you're telling me, oh, well, it couldn't have been that because, you know, I sucked a black dick one time. What? Oh, well, my, what, my, 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 my partner's mixed race. So that, that's, that, that's that then. Oh, so yeah, well, you've solved, you've solved every fucking thing then, haven't you? You've solved it all. You've, you've cured racism, fuck's sake. Like, it's just absolutely mad. Like, you, the fact that we're even wheeling up the whole frightened and crying thing, again, even in my message, I was just like, while their feelings, the practitioner's feelings are valid about, you know, whether they felt frightened, whatever, I also want to, like, really, really push here about the fact that, there are stereotypes driven about Polish people, Eastern European people in the media, uh, assassins this with their deep voices and their statues and their builds. And I'm like, again, now add on top of that, a, a parent, a father that feels a particular way about his child and his child being safe. Why is that being read any other way than a parent being anxious? Why, why are you reading it in another way? And of course, I understand when we're in a society that we're dealing with like vast amounts of male violence where it concerns women. The fact of the matter is that your comment was very, very wayward and you were let, you were told that your comment was wayward. And now you're, you, people don't want you around their child. And then you're crying and you're saying, oh, I was frightened. This is how white women weaponize their tears. But the thing is, if I now start wheeling up all of these terms on these people, everyone's heads are going to be spun because already I only gave you a warning shot warning shot in my email and you're talking about well if you don't think that if we find it abhorrent and if you really feel that way maybe Lev shouldn't be here first of all I'll decide where Lev's gonna be and um, if you try to then decide for me well then boy we'll have to take it where we take it won't we the only thing is that I am so kind of this I'm always saying like I'm nice but I'm not kind I'm kind but I'm not nice right and because of my kindness I consider 
everybody's jobs. I consider all the other parents that send their children to this particular place because it's an independent place. If I decide that I want everything closed down, trust and believe the God I serve with the ancestors that move through me, I will have that place closed down. So I'm not the one to be bringing energy to that is wayward. Like, just don't. And it just really infuriated me reading that. Like, oh, and then we've got this staff member who's black and we've got this other staff member who's black and we've got 30 nationalities and various skin colours of children that are at this nursery. So you've said all of that to say what? What have you said in saying all of that? That all of that uh, absolves you of having unconscious or conscious bias? And thinking that, oh, well, you know, this, this thing just happened. Like people don't understand the dynamics that go into just like the, the throwaway things that we say. A child has been stung in the fucking neck by a wasp. You've removed the sting. You've treated it fine. He was crying, but then he was fine. Whatever. That does not mean that we're not going to say to you, Ra, what were you looking at? Not that you can preempt everything that happens, but in this case, going forward, pay attention, but instead you respond with, well, that could have happened even if it was with you. How is that helpful? That tells me that you're dismissing the potential severity of what happened. And I need to ask why you think it's okay to say that um, pertaining to this particular child. And maybe you haven't done the research. Maybe you haven't done the kind of like self-reflection to figure out what that might be about. But I have, and I know what it's about. And nobody is going to try it with me and gaslight me. But I've started tweeting about it small, small, because it can go elsewhere, like I said, and it can go elsewhere incredibly quickly. But I just find it wild that a white man would then be emailing me talking about well you know um it's not possible first of all you don't even live here like you live all the way in spain you don't even live here so the running the day-to-day running of what could be happening you and your mixed race wife are not involved with so what now madness absolute madness but we'll see sha we'll see but i just when i read that just before recording because they were messaging me on a sunday imagine i just thought nah i'm gonna say something because prior to this nursery what were you doing running bars running like yeah literal literal bars like where people drink at so i mean boy i'll leave it there because if i speak too much people will say that i'm speaking but it's only because i consider everybody else that i'm just like let me not get too buck up get too buck wild up in here just is what it is. Anyway, that being said, let's get into the tarot because I was fully talking there, but I really need to get that piece off my chest. The tarot this week, I just put to spirit, like what is the advice and direction that some people are really, really looking for right now? And the first card that came out is the King of Cups. And then we've got the Empress in reverse. And then we've got the Emperor really really interesting set of cards here the king of cups you know it makes me think of a man maybe a water sign um very interesting what I'm picking up as well so it could be like a Scorpio sun moon or rising really if we're talking about um maybe it's a guy or it's just about the kind of people that you have around you so it might even just be in terms of um, a work dynamic or for some people it might even be a sibling as well that we're thinking of so basically I'm saying it's not just necessarily romantic right so god uh god of cups it is called in the afro goddess tarot um arcanas um 
So we've got God of Cups here, and then we've got the Empress in reverse. You have to stop mothering people um, that you are interested in. You can't mother your way into them finding you attractive, basically. Or you can't mother your way into um, getting them to need you, right? So some people, um, I guess a lot of people are socialised in um, our society to think that the way to get into a relationship, mainly with a cis-het man, is to like, oh, I need to show him I can cook, I can clean, I need to show him this, I, can, I need to show him that. Why do you need to show him them things? Why can't he do it himself? Why do you need to be the one that can show all of these attributes? What is he doing himself? So you're basically, a lot of people think that they're auditioning to be somebody's girlfriend or wife, but you're really, and I don't even know why you're auditioning, auditioning anyway, but let's go with that for a minute, right? But really what you're auditioning for is to be his mother 2.0. Like that's literally it. You're, you're auditioning to be his junior mum right and that needs to stop at some point and for some people the way that I read this is that you're moving with an outward sort of like oh this is me toxic macho energy like I'm the man dem rah, 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 rah. but your divine feminine is lost within you so many men out there cisgendered men whether heterosexual or not are severely fractured within their souls because they do not have the ability to access. They have been disconnected from their divine feminine and it's starting to hurt because then we've got the emperor here because if you are therefore not connected to your divine feminine, how do you expect to be a father? How do you expect to be a father worth leaving um, a legacy about? How Do you get what I mean? Like, you want someone to be like, oh, my dad was great and truly mean it. Like the worst things for me sometimes when I meet the worst guy, like there are some guys with horrendous attitudes, right? And they're like, oh, my dad is my role model. My dad was the best guy. Your dad must have been an absolute dickhead. Your dad must have been an absolute prick because what look at the behaviors that you're exhibiting and you're fashioning you're you're modeling your behaviors on what you feel that your dad was so you want your child to be able to say that my dad was the best guy and the person that they're saying it to be to um to to be like rah i can see that in you i can see that your dad was the best guy because look at how you're moving um and so that's that's very strong in like the it feels very man this kind of thing. And it feels more so because of that disconnect. And for others, I don't know, the other feeling that comes through to me is like trying to be supportive of maybe a partner that either wants to get pregnant or has had some kind of pregnancy loss and um, not quite knowing how to be of support to them in that way. But I feel like it's just to hold firm, like just to hold firm and to just hold space. Um, and and that, you know, things happen in their own time and um, healing happens in its own time. And, you know, that's the most that you can do. Um, and some of you are kind of choosing, so, uh, the other message I feel like I'm getting is that some of you are kind of choosing people out of desperation because you're looking at this whole body clock thing oh I need to have a child I need to have a child I need to have a child but you need to consider whether that they would if you're planning to co-parent like remember that this is a lifelong thing like you'll be dealing with that energy forever so is the pressure from wayward family members worth you 
diving headfirst into a dynamic that will only leave you feeling like shortchanged or unsupported. Like there is no rush, like your things will come in time. And that's further confirmed by the hanged man in reverse. Like the, the, the time is opening up for you, but you just have to, I guess, show some, show some patience. And, um, yeah, this idea of authority as well is there. Like, some of you just need to respect your mothers more. Like that's another vibe that I'm getting from this as well. You need to respect your mothers more. You need to respect that your mothers are human. And yes, they may have made choices that you might not have made in your current experience, but they did what they felt was that they, that was possible for them, whether at a state of survival or what just the state of society, they did what they felt was best at the time. And while yes, I fully appreciate and um, empathize with the fact that it, it affected you in particular ways, you can't keep flogging them forever, you know, like, and you, you at some point need to put down that reason. I'm not calling it an excuse, but you need to put down that reason to the side for a minute so you can move forward with how you want to live your life. And trust me, it's something that I, I'm saying that to you is something that I had to truly consider. Like, you know, for the longest time, I bore a lot of resentment for my mum, I guess, in looking at certain things and how I felt like I wasn't protected and things like that. And the more I grew to know myself and to do a lot of shadow work, it helped me to see her more clearly and and to feel for her. And that doesn't negate like the lack of mothering that I felt that I, um, you know, had or whatever when I was younger. It just means that now I'm just like, you know what? It is what it is and, and we keep it moving. And these are the things that I require from you now. Are you able to do that? Yes, cool. So we keep it pushing. And I know that not everyone can always get to that stage. And for some people it's, um, it's just... I recognise what you went through as my mother and as a as a person, but I feel like I don't want to continue having a relationship with you. That's also valid, you know, but you have to, you, the, this is calling for you to just see them as um, human and to see that the authority or the society that they were trying to kind of live in resistance of, basically. Um, so I hope that that resonates with you all I pray that the message reaches those that it needs to reach so anyway let's get to in that case let's get to share your magnificence but before we do that I will big up um, the first of these week uh, this week's show sponsors who are Skillshare be right back so like I said thanks to Skillshare for sponsoring this week's episode Every human was born to create, whether you last picked up a paintbrush yesterday or when you were in nursery, hopefully not getting stung by a wasp, you can explore your creativity and be inspired. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning and with so much to explore, real projects to create and the support of fellow creatives, like you can do so much in terms of growth, in terms of creativity. Um, I mentioned to you often about the various classes um, that they have available and there is another class called the Ultimate Self-Care Playbook, Discover and Nurture Your Centred Self with Jonathan Van Ness. That looks um, exciting. I think I mentioned that the last time as well. And then there's another called Video for Instagram, Tell an Engaging Story in Less Than a Minute with um, Helice, is it Helice Navarez? Uh, Narvaez, look at my life. But that looks good because I want to get better at these reels 
I don't have patience for reels on Instagram. Um, and so a course that would just be like, bang, 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 bang. This is what you need to do. I feel like that would be really, really helpful. So whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you're creative. So discover what you can make with classes for every skill level. Experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to in-person pricey classes and workshops. Explore your creativity at skillshare.com forward slash straws. That's S-K-I-L-L-S-H-A-R-E.com forward slash straws and get one month free trial of premium membership. That's one month of a free premium membership at skillshare.com forward slash straws. Go get your life. And now let's get on with Share Your Magnificence. So the two Share Your Magnificence today, um, well, the main ones are letters. So I'll start here. It says, Dear Kelechi, I hope this email finds you well. I'm a convert to podcasts because of you. But, but I'm an, I'm not an avid tweeter, more of a gram fiend due to my art, but I followed you on both for some years. My friend Marlon Kamika um, enjoys your podcast from the early um, early years of its beginnings and even bought me a book from your merch for my birthday last year. Marlon is a passionate man, a caring being who teaches young people, inclusive theatre as well as mainstream performing arts, a dancer, choreographer and an actor. In recent years, he has become more proactive in activism and he makes me so proud. I've always been proud of him. He is devoted to his family and friends. Such a big heart, which he puts on the line for his students and his beliefs in humanity. He will fight the good fight for the vulnerable always. I've known Marlon since I was 19, then reconnected in our late 20s. One of the better things that have happened in my life. I've shared below a snippet of his accomplishments. There is much more, but I do feel his latest achievements should be shouted out. Without blowing smoke up your ass, which I can't do due to my makeup, I'm brutally honest in my to my detriment. I'm very happy that you have created a platform for yourself which really supports all and also offers much um, exposure to Black British female identity to what you are um, a fine example of, which is something I'm working on through my artistic process. I salute you. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for sending that through. Two slaps on your chest. And two slaps on your chest, Marlon, for doing the things that you that you're doing. I've seen your growth. I've seen how you've been um, speaking out, especially during the um, uprisings last year. That's the people like to call them the um, Black Square Summer of 2020. I love that you were speaking out and you were posting things on your Medium um, page as well. So I think if I remember to, I will add a I'll add a link. Yeah, I'll add a link so you can have a read of some of the things that Marlon has written. I like that one of these pinned um, articles says 99% of men are shit. Good Morning Britain was the panto and Piers Morgan was their star villain. But whilst the public laughed and booed the ITV morning show, um, we're all secretly guilty, guilty of ignoring our own problematic working environments that we each contribute to. Um, you already know that's going to be a word and that's what a 12 minute read like Marlon's been out here doing what needs to be done I love that this one is called stop trying to save white people Woo! Woo! 
and that one's about Patrick Hutchinson that decided to carry that wayward um uh what is it Capri uh Capri trouser wearing racist on his shoulders during the uprisings and everybody was like wow oh amazing this is how we deal with racism no the fuck it's not so yeah I feel I will remember to add, I'll remind myself to add a link um, to Marlon's me, uh, Medium page so you can see some of the great things that he has been writing. So big up yourself, Marlon. My next letter here, let's see, says, Dear Kelechi, I hope you remain safe, healthy and well. I send my best wishes to the baby girls, baby boys and baby non-binaries tuning in. I'll go by the initial C. I'm an avid listener and follower of your podcast and social media, respectively. Since your groundbreaking chat shit get bang video, it's my first time writing. To start, thanks for your incredible work, which continues to help me to inspire, galvanise and deepen my intention and efforts towards personal and spiritual growth. Clarity of existential purpose, living fully and joyfully and contributing meaningfully to uh, um, relevant others. Although there is much to bring to the collective that I'd like to commend and relate to my personal experiences, I'll channel the appreciation, gratitude and identification um, I have for you into several points of share your magnificence. That said, my apologies for the length and any typos. My first share your magnificence is you, Kelechi, and your tarot readings specifically. I cannot overstate how resonant your readings have been over these past several years, wherein I've undergone intensive personal and relational conflicts, introspection, hibernation, and evolutionary transformation, an unfolding process which I will describe later. I often listen to your episodes while walking to work, commuting elsewhere, or running or exercising outside. The spirit be my witness when I swear that it has often taken every every ounce of my self-control not to fucking scream aloud because lord your readings have dragged me week after week within an inch of my fucking life but I'm here for it I also happen to listen to stretches of your episodes in reverse order this notwithstanding the consistency with which your message addressed or informed my circumstances dilemmas or issues specific to the time of listening has been a powerful experience where I feel seen as a part of a collective working through fundamental universal challenges of the human condition yet also as an individual on my unique path to self-actualization I apologize if the following words feel heavy-handed but they represent and honestly the visuals that arise for me. In those moments of doubt and confusion, your messages hit me like a lightning bolt that descends from the heavens and strikes through antiquated internal structures and self-defeating attitudes and delimiting um, beliefs founded upon shame and fear. In many periods of hurt and discouragement, your readings seared me like a holy fire that incinerates that shame and fear and the emotional clutter they produce, illuminating the simple yet beautiful truth that a baby boy is divinely loved and protected and that no weapon formed against me shall prosper insofar as I remain committed to the responsibility of self-respect and self-love over everything. As Sadiq would say, and please have him on your podcast again, the tarot be tarrowing. <laughs> So again, thanks for the generosity with which you share your vibrant energy and spirituality for our collective guidance and forward movement. Two slaps on your chest. My second share of magnificence is yours truly. I am a young gay Asian man living in the Pacific region of America with three Ks, um, the fuckery of which you're well aware. 
I don't want to assume excessively, but it seems like I share many parallel experiences with you. I immigrated in childhood, learned to defend myself early and survived by any means necessary and overcame serious adversities associated with chaotic, deprived, uncontrollable and overwhelming life circumstances that have left deep emotional and spiritual wounds. Despite being perceived by friends, colleagues and onlookers as attractive, confident, independent and highly successful personally and professionally, opposed the child of attained um, American dream, complete with a PhD and many accolades and recognised achievements. I long struggled with low self-worth, pervasive self-doubt and harsh self-criticism, repeated disappointment and resentment with people and situations where I worked and gave hardest for less than bare minimum and a kind of loneliness that comes with feeling like love and belonging are always a bit further away for me than for everybody else. I felt that. uh, uh, Catalyzing a process of intentional self-discovery and personal reckoning that began in my early 20s, the pandemic pushed me over a spiritual breaking point when I realised that joy, purpose and the fulfilment of my needs and desires are my responsibility. Like a calm and refreshing morning after heavy nightfall, it dawned on me that no extent or number of external markers of approval and validation, whether from people, institutions or otherwise, will feed my soul. And in fact, do the opposite. Revealing that my very need for these ultimately inauthentic and disempowering forms of assurance and the non-trivial efforts they require reflected proportionally my deep shame and fear of unworthiness, unlovability and undesirability originating from early and repeated traumas of abandonment and rejection acted out through many painful previous relationships and lost opportunities. I recognise that there is perhaps nothing more courageous, honourable and radical than to adopt a stance of unyielding allegiance to myself, personhood, dignity and a compassionate yet accountable self-acceptance in the here and now and all past renditions of my, my evolving self. All of these entailed a deep grieving process of accepting realities, letting go, releasing illusions and attending resolutely to my agency and initiative with laser sharp vision. I'm happy to report that following the many changes made over the last year or the past year, I've never felt more integrated, present, beautiful and alive to be within me. I left toxic institutions, made difficult yet liberating career transitions and came out as gay to important people in my life, streamlined my relationships to build only meaningful connections, deepen existing close friendships and eliminate interpersonal nuisances, clarified and committed to non-negotiable priorities of holistic wellness, abundant pleasure, ease and enjoyment and a daily practice of affirmation and self-compassion and resolve to pour into myself with the same passionate fervor that was directed elsewhere previously based on a genuinely felt belief that I am the first in line to deserve my deepest care and most expansive love can I get an amen um can I get an amen that self-respect slaps like a motherfucker yes that self-love is a cup that eternally runneth over yes and as you said before, everything changed when I stopped lying to myself and not stepped um, to um, not up to step into my power, glory, and path to becoming the best and most exuberant expression of divine love and vitality. I'm not just stepping in, but running, skipping, hopping, and twirling. No motherfucker is going to stop me. There's more work to do, but it feels incredible. 
Finally, my last show of magnificence goes to my friend by the initial JR. As an aside, I was initially going to present a straw of the week to a fuckboy of my recent past who unadd- whose unaddressed emotional wounds manifest in compulsive and destructive cycles of seducing, then attacking and rejecting those very people whose genuine affection and love bring the potential for him to recognize, account for, and heal from his pain. At the same time, my growth and healing have taught me that it's cruel to punish or humiliate someone for not understanding an assignment for which they do not have the prerequisite emotional bandwidth or insight. As you said, he is digging himself into ever deeper despair and isolation while thinking erroneously um, that um, to be showing me up. The, uh, clown can still have a fucking straw. Yes, I agree. But back to JR, who is bright, loving, and emotionally intelligent gay African-American man from the South, who, like me, has exposed, was exposed early to yet overcame significant life adversities, including abuse, trauma, and his own encounter with a get-out situation with the whites. Despite surviving these and other madness and fuckeries of which there are too many and ridiculous to describe, JR has managed to retain and expand his empathy, optimism and resolute commitment to joy, pleasure and positivity wherever he can create and give it. He's a great friend and listener, always down for a good time and frequently has an older brother has been an older brother and a strong and affirming masculine figure that I did not have growing up and taught and invited me to, um, to be the same to him and others. He's a hallmark of resilience, a self-liberatory kind of way, in a self-liberatory kind of way and not the white gaze bullshit way. I appreciate your mutually supportive and um, uplifting friendship. So I appreciate our mutually supportive and uplifting friendship and have much gratitude that the universe conspired for us to connect and learn so much for each, from each other. Recently, he made a challenging yet emancipating decision to leave a racist, spiritually depleting and psychologically toxic workplace, upgrade into a new apartment and clear out interpersonal clutter to curate a social network that better reflects his values, serves his relational needs and fosters the kind of vibrant life to which he aspires, enjoys and can give to. Moreover, I am proud of him for risk-taking and seeking better work opportunities despite the fuckery of the pandemic and I want to congratulate him for landing a new job that brings a 12k salary raise selected amid multiple job offers and leads that the universe provided after he stepped bravely and further into his self-knowledge that he is worthy and deserving of the blessings he has been asking for and now ready to receive in full. I'm excited about what the future holds for him as he takes greater reins over the course of his promising life and personal fulfillment. Two slaps on his chest and please give him all of the flowers. Thanks for reading once again, Kalechi. Wishing you and your loved ones health, happiness, and prosperity forevermore. Best regards, C. Thank you for that. Wow. You write so beautifully. The text on my phone is so small. So I was really reading like some, um, some, some, any reader, um, like I was in grade five, but I even think the grade five would be like, don't fucking mention me. Cause I read better than you dumb bitch. So, um, but no, thank you so much for that. Like that was incredible. I'm so happy for you. See two slaps on your chest, like that kind of beauty that you, that you describe, that you find in life. That is what I wish. That is what I pray for, for everybody listening. It's, it's euphoric, like, and it's, and it's beautiful. That's not to say that fuckery isn't going to happen. Like fuckery is still going to happen, but there is a certain type of like deep peace 
joy that you know that even when madness is happening around you, you're like, you know what? I'm all right. I'm all right. God's got me. I'm a, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to be okay. You know? And then it actually makes it easier to work through or to move through that experience because you know that ultimately I will be fine. Like we are going to be all right. And I know that I'm saying that um, amidst like fucking border control, whipping Haitians um, at the, you know, whipping them um, while they're riding on horses and these people are carrying children in, in the water. I know that I'm saying that amidst all the fuckery that's happening in our society. But I feel like if we, as the ones who um, have enough of a privilege to be able to kind of make a podcast and listen to a podcast, if we start getting our fucking work done, us moving as a collective entity means that we can override um, a lot of the fuck shit that's been done in our quote unquote name, right? That's how I see it anyway. So the work isn't just the surface things that we see. There are some, you know, I talk all the time about subversive work and this is part of it. Like if I can get everybody's energy up the way that I'm getting mine up and encourage everybody else to get their energy up, like knowing that we're unfuckwithable means that we'll move with unfuckwithable energy and we'll be able to kind of galvanize and mobilize in a very, very synchronized way that is so amazing to see that nobody's going to be able to shut us down. You know, I don't, I don't even want to sing Christina Aguilera's appropriating our song. Nobody can hold us down. Nobody can hold. Sorry, that's just anyway. See, big up yourself, Jr. Two slaps on your chest. Big up yourself because we're making moves, baby. We're making moves, and this simulation that it feels like it can oppress us will not hold us back. It will not hold us down. We will continue to do all of the things. So big up yourselves for finding joy um, and realizing that joy was there all along and that it can be tapped into at any time. And the more space we make for it within ourselves, we are just walking beams of light and walking beams of love and peace. And, um, yeah, I just, I want that for us. I want that for all of us. So thank you for such a beautiful message. So obviously because of, um, at this point, I'd usually go on to So You Mad, but I've also got to do one more Share Your Magnificence, um, aka, like, it's got to do a crossover ting with Start Your Motors, because, guys, guys, Lewis Hamilton got his 100th win. I, I don't know why I'm such a waste man, because my eyes are legitimately tearing up. No, <laughs> no, my eyes are legitimately tearing up. He got his hundredth win. I feel like such a fangirl because this guy does not know who the fuck I am. Like, sometimes I'm like, he might have even followed me by accident on Instagram. But I just, <sighs> like two slaps two slaps on your fucking chest, my G, two slaps on your fucking chest, because what? Russia, undefeated, undefeated, not what I can say for Anthony Joshua, but we're not going into that, undefeated, every time Sochi comes round, the Sochi GP, you comes round, Hamilton's like, I've got this baby, I've got this boo-boo, now, that was a phenomenal race. I was hoping that we'd have the 100th win a lot sooner. But, you know, when Jesus says, yes, nobody can say Norris. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so... 
Why am I so terrible? Lord, Lord, free me. Free me from my badness because my wicked and bad. Whew. Anyway, yes, 100th win. Wow. Congratulations, Sir Lewis Carl Davison Hamilton. Congratulations. We'll have to talk about that, sir, but not today. Not today. Sorry, sorry. I'm staying on. I'm staying on. I'm staying on track. But you know what? What can be given to you after this? If you get, when you get, sorry, when you get that eighth world championship, whenever, I'm hoping it's this year, but even if not, even if not, whenever you get that eighth world championship, like, what are we, after sir, what are we doing? What are we doing? King Hamilton? Like, what What are we doing? I don't, Lord, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to get rid of all of those structures eventually. But while they're there, you better get all of your titles, baby. You better get all of your things because you what? You motherfucking deserve. How fucking dare they? You were born to do this. Is it a coincidence? And um, every person better tweet this. Is it a coincidence that Lewis Hamilton is a Capricorn and he's also the GOAT? What? Greatest of all Rasclark time. Goart. Goat. Wow. Wow we. What a race. What a race. Now the hundredth is done. The hundredth is literally done. And I have to give you the energy that I don't feel like the people then were giving you. Because how rude. The last person that had the most F1 wins or the most Formula One wins was um, Mike Schumacher. Michael Schumacher had 91. He had 91 um, Grand Prix wins. And you've passed him. You've passed him. You did that a while ago. Like, that's been done. But now you're at 100. Do you know that it's very unlikely that anybody's going to be able to um, beat that? It's very, very unlikely. Like, how long would Max Verstappen have to race in Formula One to be able to get 100 Grand Prix wins? How long? How long has it been since you... I can't remember that Jim Reeves song. But anyway, I love that everybody, everywhere, everybody is updated the ting. On Wikipedia, it now says Lewis Hamilton holds the record for the most race wins in Formula One history with 100 wins to date. Michael Schumacher, the previous record holder, is second with 91 wins. And Sebastian Vettel is third with 53. 53. 53. And this is why I need you lot to deep the nature, the deep, the greatness of this living legend. Sebastian Vettel is currently still racing. He's currently still racing right now at his 30, I think he's 35 or is he 36? I know that he's similar age to me, but he looks much, much older than I do. Um, sorry, Sebastian, there was really no need for that, but I just needed to clarify some things. Um, but, you know, like, Sebastian Vettel is on 53 victories currently. He's currently still racing, same as Lewis, right? He's 35, 36. Lewis is also 36. Can you take a moment? Can you deep that? Lewis has got pretty much double, double the wins of somebody that's currently still racing at the time that he's racing. Wow. Wow. But the girls aren't bringing the vim. The girls aren't bringing the energy. Because why? Let me tell you what happened. So... During qualifying, so the the race that just happened today, by the time you listen to this, if you're listening on a Monday, the race happened. I've just got to even readjust my body. The race happened um, 
yesterday in Russia, um, Russia. So that was the Russian Grand Prix. After that, I think we've got a break and then we're going to, yeah, that we've got a break. And then the next time that we're back is the Turkish Grand Prix, which initially they were like, oh, it's not going to happen. And now it's happening, but it's happening because I think the Japanese Grand Prix got canceled because they were like, we don't want you man coming through. We just had the Olympics. We need to chill. And so, um, yeah, so I think it would have been Japan that would have been happening there. Or is it, yeah, I think it was Japan or is it Singapore? I can't remember. Well, both are out anyway, but it might have been, I think it was the Japanese one that was going to be then. I could be wrong. Um, But yeah, basically the Japanese and the Singapore um, Grand Prix are out. Um, They're not doing it this year. Um, So the next one that we've got coming up is the Turkish uh, Grand Prix. Now, um, so, you know, the way that everything works is that Friday we've got um, practice one, practice two and then on Saturday we've got uh, practice three and then we've got qualifying and the, uh, unless they've put in a sprint race there or sprint qualifier which I don't like um they put that in there and then Sunday we've got the race so uh, practice one practice two Lewis and Bottas were doing what needed to be done they were keeping it cute it was great then practice three got cancelled on Saturday it got cancelled because the rainfall in um Sochi S-O-C-H-I um, the race, um, and that's the racetrack area. Um, the, the rainfall was so bad that they couldn't do the, um, the third practice, which is the final practice. They couldn't do it. The rainfall was just too bad. And we saw what happened. Um, I think was it Hungary where we just had a madness there. So yeah, they just didn't want, um, a madness. So they were just like, yeah, it's not going to go ahead. So I wondered if that was going to affect qualifying as well, because if they're not doing final practice three, um, or the final practice, they're not doing that, uh, because of rainfall, the rain doesn't look like it's going to stop. So does that mean we're not going to do qualifying? And in that case, does that mean that we're going to go with the standings, um, from FP2, which was on Friday? And because if we're going with that, then Mercedes have the lead on that. But people were like, nah, 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 nah. It looks like they're going to go ahead. And if anything, even if they can't do qualifying on Saturday, they will do it Sunday morning. Um, and that will decide the grid positions for Sunday. So they went um, ahead actually on Saturday and did the um, qualifying. Now, the qualifying kind of just shocked everyone, really, because the, the standings just looked very, very wild. Basically, Norris ended up getting pole position um, because he drove the fastest lap. So he got pole position. And then in second place on the grid would be Carlos Sainz. And the thing is, Norris and Sainz, um, they have a bit of a rivalry anyway. They've got a bit of tension between them. So, yeah, their their bromance was a bit short-lived the moment that they realised that they were actual competition for each other. But they seem to be getting along um, recently. Anyway, everyone seems to be getting along. But that's what happens when you get a bit heavily... Um, uh, orchestrated publicity team in on the thing. And then third place was Russell for Williams. So the starting lineup looked very, very wild because we've got McLaren, Ferrari, Williams, and then we've got Hamilton in, um, fourth place on the grid. Um, and then Bottas was in seventh, but we're not, I, I really want to go in on Bottas, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And we had um, Daniel Ricciardo in fifth place. And then Sergio Perez was in ninth place. Um, and so basically whatever happened also, Verstappen was going to start last on the grid because he had a power unit replacement. So the thing is when during a season, 
you get a particular number of tokens to upgrade your car should you need anything at any time. Um, but I feel like once you've used them, if I'm correct, once you've used them and then you're doing extra bits, you then get penalties for that. So Bottas in the last race, he um, got a new power unit. So he had to start at the back of the grid and he did well for himself. He managed to get himself all the way through. He did really, really well. So now Verstappen, he had to get a new power unit and the penalty is that he starts at the back of the grid. And I guess their reasoning for this is that once you've got a new power unit, you have a significant advantage over everybody else that's on that grid if they haven't changed their power units. So the only way to make it fair is for you to start at the very back and then you can work your way up, motherfucker. And so that's what we had in um, this case. Well, that was the setup anyway. Um, and it's just funny because pretty much all of them, um, get their, the ones ahead of Hamilton all have their, um, engines from Mercedes. So it's just, everybody knows that Mercedes is that girl. The Mercedes is literally that girl because you, all of you have your engines from her. Well, except for, you know, like you all know, like, yeah, you know, we want a fast car. We need to have this Mercedes, um, engine. So it's funny kind of like almost, so I just wanted to turn on the light it's almost funny, like you're racing against yourself. Um, but it's also how you put it together in a package. It's one thing to have an engine, like it's one thing to have a Benz Panani, but if you don't have a charisma, then what does your W12 really mean? What does your V12 engine in your case, what does it really mean? You know? So that's kind of the situation here. Like, yes, you can have a Mercedes engine, but do you have the vim? Do you have the va va voom to really do what needs to be doom? I mean, done. You get what I mean. I just wanted it to rhyme. Um, so that was the setup and that was, um, Norris's first ever pole position. Um, so very, very excited. I think it was, what is it? McLaren's first no, they've had a few polls, um, but I think they it was significant for them being in Russia anyway. But, you know, everyone was super, super happy for Norris, like his first ever poll, you know, they were like, you know, this is great because it's highly likely that this might mean that it's then your first ever win. But Sochi is a very, very tricky, tricky track. And especially now when it's going to rain, it's going to be a madness. But the rain didn't come straight away on race day. So everybody's doing their thing now. It's a very, very exciting race. They take off, you know, lights out, everyone's zoomed off and instantly Norris loses the lead. Carlos Sainz takes over, the one in Ferrari. He takes over and he's leading for quite a while. And then him and Norris start battling it out for some reason because of a badly timed kind of um, maneuver that Hamilton wanted to do. It dropped him back to seventh place and then he had to like work his way back up. But I was looking at the fact that like, why isn't he getting ahead of Ricardo? Because Ricardo was ahead of him at some point. And Ricardo also drives for McLaren. And if you remember, Ricardo won the previous race. So it was just looking very, very good for um, McLaren, basically. But I had a feeling, like, my baby, you know, my baby boy, my boo, and I mean that in a very platonic way. Let's all be clear, okay? He is the king of tyre management. So if anything's happening, I don't understand the strategy that Mercedes is doing at the moment, especially since um, Bottas got a new power unit. Valtteri Bottas got a new power unit in the last race, which is why he started at the back. And then today they now said, oh, he's going to um, start on the back of the grid again. Or, you know, he's going to start quite far back. He's going to get, what, 13 places or something? Was it 15 places? A penalty because he's now changed his power unit or got another power unit again. And they're saying that, um, Mercedes did that as a tactical move. 
because then they've got it in the port like for later. So whenever they use it, it's not they, you know, it is when it's it's up to them. But they've got that power unit. And I feel like they almost felt like they, they were gonna do that um to hold off the Stappen. But no disrespect, but Bottas does not have the vim for Verstappen. If Verstappen is going to get past you, he's going to get past you. I just don't feel like um, Bottas has the driving techers to really hold Verstappen off. And that showed clearly because after a few laps, Verstappen moved past Bottas very easily, very easily. And he just kept it pushing. So... Bottas just was just dwindling there, just dwindling anyhow. I don't understand what was going on and I didn't understand Mercedes' uh, strategy overall. Um, and it was good because basically Red Bull started, uh, what is it, Verstappen on hard tyres. And the thing is, if you're not sure how a race is really, really going to go and you need longevity to kind of work out a strategy and to build up pace and to build up um, kind of your standing within the race, you want to go on hard tyres because the hard tyres are hard wear do you get what I mean? So you've got hard, soft, medium or hard, medium, soft, right? So the softer tyres, yes, you know, you'll go quicker. You'll go very, very quick. It'll be nice. You'll go quicker. The tyre is softer. You'll go quicker, but they don't last as long, right? Medium, somewhere in between. Like if you manage your tyres well, they'll serve you, but they're only going to hold out for so long. Whereas hard um, tyres, they'll keep going for a while, but you're just not going to be as fast over, you know, over time. So, um, so yeah, that's how basically the composites of the tyres work. So Max Verstappen started on hard because it was clear that he knew that it was going to be a tough race. And so he needed tyres that would give him enough um, kind of durability for him to at least gain some space, like places and move himself out from the back of the grid. But then when he felt that he was in a healthy place, then he's going to go into a pit stop, change his tyres possibly to a medium and then see it out from there. Um... So yeah, everything was just kind of going, going and um, because of pit stops and people not being able to get ahead of certain people, because remember what I said to you, if somebody goes in a pit lane, you want to go into the pit to change your tyres and everything. You want to do that with enough of a gap between people. So when you come back out, because it's going to take you roughly what, about 20 seconds. So you want to go in with enough of a gap that when you come back out, you come, if you have to come behind anyone, you're coming behind somebody that you can easily get in front of again. Or if you've done so well that there's enough of a gap between you and absolutely every fucking body else, you can go in and come out and you'd still be ahead. But that is a massive lead to have more time, you're going to go in and you're more likely going to come out behind somebody else. And so you're going to have to work your way back to the front and hope that if they haven't made a pit stop, that they're going to go and have a pit stop at some point, which moves them out from the front of you. And then you can continue. So it's a real game of strategy. But I say all of that to say that Lando Norris, as much as I find some of his comments in the past, very, very wayward, he drove a fucking good race. I'll give it to the guy. I'll give it to the guy. And I think he's going to be 21 um, soon. I think is yeah, he's going to be 21 in a few days or something. Um, or maybe just turn 21. I don't know. If he's a Libra, I'll be so annoyed. Um, so, you know, Norris drove a really, really like good race. He was, he got his place back from Carlos Sainz um, and he kept going, kept going until it got to the point where him and um, Hamilton, Norris is in first um, place um, um, and Hamilton is second. Now Hamilton has gone in now and he's changed his tyres and my God, he is bombing it. Like he is going for it. He's going for it and he's creeping up. He's creeping up on Norris because he's getting, you know, you want to get under a second between you and the car in front. So when you get into the DRS range, um, the DRS range is the perfect um, range where you can activate um, 
you can activate a functionality on your car or in your car that allows you to then really go for it and possibly overtake the person that's ahead. So he was gaining on him, gaining on him, laughter, lap after lap. Lewis was about to catch this guy. We And we're looking at like, I'd say around the 45 laps in, it's a 53 lap race, yeah? 45 laps in, you can see that, oh, everything's spicing up. Everything's hotting up for the people, them. It's getting hot. It's getting hot in here. I don't want to take my clothes off because we're on a racetrack. Anyway, so everything's hotting up, hotting up, hotting up. Then all you hear through the radio is like rain is coming. The drizzle's happening. Drizzle's happening. Rain is coming. Rain is getting heavier. I'm seeing all of the people um, in the um, grandstands and stuff. They start putting on their raincoats. So you know it's about to be bad. Now, they were hoping that they could finish the race and it'd be dry. Maybe a teeny bit of drizzle. Uh, because there were certain points where it was very slippery. And whenever they got to that point, whenever they got to that turn, I want to say it was around turn either seven, I think it was, or it might be 11. There was a turn where you, because it wasn't covered, the rain got onto it, right? And at that turn specifically, Norris was very, very vulnerable. So all we could think as Mercedes supporters and Lewis Hamilton supporters is that if that kind of water can make its way through the rest of the track, this guy is going to be in trouble. Lo and behold, rain on me. Lord, won't you get this hundredth win for me? Because I don't want to cry no more. Don't even know if that's how it goes, Ashanti. I'm so sorry. Um, The rain started to pour and Norris, nobody touched him. Norris just veered off. 50, I think it was, it was on the 50th lap or something. My guy just veered off. Before that, he was already doing wobbling, wobbling. He was wobbling. And his team on the radio were saying to him, fam, everybody's coming in to change their tyres. Everybody's coming in to change their tyres. I think they were all changing to slicks. Everyone's coming in to change their tyres because the rain is getting heavier. Or they said to him, I think they said to him initially, he said that they said that the rain was going to stay the same. So he felt like he was just going to power through. Like he didn't want to lose his lead. He was just going to keep going. But... You're already, you're, you're, you're going left, right. You're going left, right. You're, you're, you're swaying, swaying anyhow. Now, nobody's near you, but you're swaying anyhow. So at some point on the radio, they're saying to him, you need to come in. You need to come in because, you know, we need to change your tires. He was, he said to them verbatim, shut up. So they left him there. He continued. He's a teammate, Ricardo, who was behind at this point. Ricardo came in and changed his tires, went back out. Hamilton, even though Hamilton was trying to catch him, Hamilton went in, changed his tyres too and started gaining on this guy as Hamilton's like literally chasing him down, right? Hamilton didn't have to chase much because boom, the guy veers off, veers off the track. And when he veers off now is then when he realises how severe the rain is. And then he decides to go into the pit lane to change his tyres. A guy that was first for pretty much most of the race, where did Lando Norris finish? I think it was sixth or seventh, was it? Let me even see. I think, oh, it was, um, where is he? Yeah, seventh. He was first for most of the race and he finished seventh. I can't tell you how heartbreaking that is. And I just want to take a moment and pray for us collectively, except if you're bad mind and you're hate listening, pray for us collectively that the spirit of almost reaching the finish line and not seeing it through is not our destiny. Somebody say amen. Hey, The spirit of almost getting to the finish line and not finishing it with victory. It's not our destiny. 
Spirit says so. It is not our destiny. You better claim that. You better claim that. Today, this moment, this moment, put your hand on your heart and say, yes, the spirit of almost leading, being the leader. When You know when Africans pray, pray, pray for you, they say you will be the head and never the tail. The spirit of being the leader, of being the head and suddenly finding yourself the tail, tufiakwa, I rebuke it. I rebuke it. What the fuck? He's still finished with points, but that is horrible, horrible feeling. He kept his helmet on at the end of the race for a very, very long time because you know that boy was barling because that he was so close. And as for Verstappen, well, he finished second. So everyone going to change their tyres when they did really, really helped some people. And he got very, very lucky. And now there's only two points between him and Lewis Hamilton and the champion, um, you know, in, in, on the champion's table um, with Hamilton now leading because he got his 100th win. And um, Carlos Sainz drove a really, really good race and he finished third. You know, he started second finished third. That's a really good place to be. Hamilton started fourth, finished first. Verstappen started 20th, finished second. As for Bottas, started behind, what was he, I think he started 15th or something, finished fifth. Even though he was doing Higgy Hagar, he's lucky that those points came back in because it had it not been for this rain, this guy would have been in 14th place, 14th place even though um, Verstappen, before the rain, was in 20th place and had managed to work his way up to, I think, 7th. So I don't know what's wrong with Bottas at the moment, but I thought that some kind of battery had been put in his back ever since he secured his contract with Alfa Romeo, but he's clearly still very, very unreliable. So I don't know what's going on there. But my issue really is like, again, um, this monumental win for Hamilton has been cra- uh, clouded by the fact that people go, oh yeah, um, Hamilton got his 100th win, great achievement, but ah, oh, isn't it so sad for Norris? Hamilton got his 100th win, but ah, oh, but didn't Vers- um, Verstappen do well coming from 20th place? Oh yeah, you know, it's almost like a win for Red Bull. It feels like a win for them. No, 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 no. The only win is Hamilton's, it's for Mercedes, yeah? The only win. I don't care what it feels like, it can feel like whatever. It can feel like team spirit. Don't give a fuck. The reality is the win was Hamilton's and he now has his hundredth win that none of you, none of you will ever be able to catch up to. Not a single one of you ever, ever will be able to catch up to. So let's sit with that. Check that in your book. Okay. Well done, Lewis. Well done. I delivered on the hundredth win please get your people to deliver my G-Wagon with expediency. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do about the eighth championship. I'm still in my feelings. We will see. But regardless of me, I'm joking. Regardless of me, like you'll get all of your things. You're an incredible driver, just phenomenal. And um, Total Wolf said something really, really important in the interview as well. He was like, the kind of driver that Hamilton is, because they, um, they said to him, the uh, commentators said to him like, oh, do you sometimes find that everybody's in awe of him? Like, I know that you like guys work with him day in, day out, but do you find that people are in awe of him? And Toto was like, well, no, because if you're in awe of him, that's the worst kind of dynamic you can have for working with each other. We very much see him as a person, but at the same time, we need to understand that 
um, people aren't really taking in just how massive his achievements are currently. It's only in a few years down the line that people are going to be able to look back and see just how great what he's done has been. And Toto strikes me as one of them white people or one of them white men that is like slowly starting to get it. He's slowly starting to understand just what is at stake here because I get what he's saying. If you're talking about it's going to be only a few years down the line where people will recognize what Hamilton has done, it's because Hamilton will need to retire and no longer be a threat before these people can actually say, you know what, big man ting, he was the greatest ever Ross Clark do it. But until Hamilton retires, these lot are still going to try and conflate terms like, oh, look at two wonderful British drivers. Look at two world championships like Paul the Rester, Paul the Ross Clark was saying the other day. No. And that guy is so bitter. I'm so sorry. Paul DeResta is so, so bitter. I don't know what happened with him and Hamilton's dad, but like keep that energy where you need to keep that energy because whenever he's commentating, it's such bad vibes. It's incredibly bad vibes. Like, you know, he wanted Norris to win. And when Norris didn't win, he kept trying to kind of undermine the greatness of what Hamilton had just done. I mean, I'd feel like I would have preferred for the 100th win to be somebody somewhere else, somewhere cuter, somewhere nicer. But like I said, when Jesus says yes, nobody can say Norris. So it is what it is, you know, and all of you, all of the rest are, all of you people then, you're going to have to deal with it because what's done is done. And henceforth, he's only going to get more wins and more wins and more, and more wins. Like it is what it is. Um, so yeah, I just think it's wonderful. I just think it's incredible. And um, yeah, they won't really see the magnitude of what he's done until he retires from the sport. Um, because it's, they're, they're really feeling fragile right now because it's meant to be an elite sport for rich white men. And here this blackie comes, well, biracial, comes through and um, starts to dominate all of their things. You know, as far as they're concerned, he's black. And, you know, he is, you know, as, as he um, refers to himself as um but yeah they, they 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 hate to see it they hate to see it but we what we fucking love it mate we fucking love it here we fucking love to see it so two slaps on your chest sir lewis hamilton for doing what needs to be done hundredth win hundred wins hundred victories wow 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 so anyway, that's that for Show Your Magnificence. And it's, whew, look at the time. Let's get into So You Mad. So this week on So You Mad, I'm going to start with a letter. So many restaurants have been moving mad. So I've got one restaurant for um, So You Mad and I've actually got another restaurant for Straw of the Week. But we'll get to that in a moment. So let's start with this first. Um, yeah, let's start with this first bit because I really found that saying it blew my mind is 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 just really something so anyway um this person wrote to me saying that they complained to turtle bay for those who don't know turtle bay is this fake um caribbean restaurant they call themselves a caribbean restaurant um i think they're like a franchise or whatever they've they've got like um a couple of stores i don't know or a few restaurants i don't know how many because i've never been there and i never ever plan to go because all i've seen whenever i see turtle bay mentioned online they're usually getting dragged for something because they've done something highly inappropriate and very very white um so this person wrote to them and said um 
that they'd complained before, like they've complained about the level of service that they received. Um, they said here, their initial email says, hi, um, dear rare, rare, rare at the representative of um, Turtle Bay. I hope all is well with you and yours and that you are managing to navigate your way through the challenges of the coronavirus slash COVID-19 pandemic. I've taken the unusual step of contacting you late in the day to purge myself of um, a bad experience in one of your restaurants. My complaint is historic, but no less important. Approximately three years ago, that's that. I have to say that that sent me that you were coming back to them three years later to say, actually, see, I don't think I was bothered, but actually um, I am bothered. Um, Coming to them three years after the fact, um, I took my friend out to the Walthamstow branch to celebrate his birthday. The whole dining experience left me with a migraine. We waited nearly two hours for a dining table, which only became available after I spotted an empty table and that had to interrupt staff who were gossiping to request that they clear the table. The task was carried out begrudgingly. In hindsight, I should have walked out then. Thereafter, the food, which was nothing like the menu description, was absolutely appalling. I wasted £50, and as the proportions were so scant, I ended up going home and cooking again to satisfy my hunger. So as not to spoil my friend's special day, I avoided complaining to staff at the table. On my way out, I asked for the head office contact details. In response, I was told all complaints must be dealt with at branch level. The staff made it clear that they would not assist me in any way. I vowed never to set foot in one of your restaurants again and have proudly kept to that. However, every now and again, a Twitter thread or complaint from black individuals catches my attention and my memory is refreshed. I know you couldn't care less, but I feel better getting the complaint off my chest. Yours sincerely, mm. So they respond, dear, mm, thank you for your feedback. I'm sorry it's taken three years to pick this up and it's un it is understandably still frustrating you. I feel like that was very shady. I'm so sorry. I feel like that was incredibly shady. Um, we really do care about what people experience in our restaurants and we're particularly proud of making Caribbean food and drink available throughout the country to the broadest possible audience. And I hate when people say that. You're making Caribbean food what to the broadest? What? So basically, you're going to water down this food to where it's unrecognisable, but still keep calling it Caribbean food. So Kathy and Louise and Sharon, when they go on their nights out before they go to the strip club to go and touch men's willies, feel like they've really tasted something that's Caribbean. Anyway, um, we really do care about people, what people experience in our restaurants. And we're particularly proud of making Caribbean food and drink available throughout the country to the broadest possible audience. We do get things wrong from time how um from time i think they should say from time to time however we always endeavor to continue to improve he's so many typos your feedback is invaluable and if there's anything we can do to welcome you back to turtle bay in the future please do let us know yeah you can work welcome me back by shutting down um so she responds thank you for your email Turtle Bay doesn't sell Caribbean food. My, I'm Caribbean and I know that my food and, um, and I know my, what my food is and isn't. You sell food inspired by Caribbean culture. I can't recall what my, di what dish my friend had, but I do recall looking at the ingredients listed for many of the items, particularly Jamaican rundown, listed and being pretty insulted. So opted for a basic starter, ribs and whatever else it came with. Never have I been obstructed by staff when it comes to making a complaint or had to beg for customer feeds certain beg for customer service. I am afraid your online feedback, particularly from black diners, contradicts your assertion about getting things wrong from time.
to time. Why is, um, why is it that this group that frequently receives, why is it this group that frequently receives bad service? Anyway, no point going on. My day was spoiled as was my friend's birthday. Now, okay, this is the response that absolutely fucking sent me. So they respond with, hi, mm, I appreciate your views on Caribbean food. Since I have only been to 38 islands and each of them does food slightly differently, I'm sure my interpretation of Caribbean food won't be as succinct as yours. Who the fuck are you talking to? Do you know the amount of passive aggression that's in this, in this message? And from what I can see here, the person writing it is a person of colour. So I want to put that in there. They're a person of colour. Yeah, person of colour. So because you've been to some islands, well, you've been to 38 islands, somebody's telling you that your food is an abomination and then you're telling them, well, no, it can't be because I've gone to all 38 islands. I've gone to these 38 islands rather. And, you know, maybe you just don't know the girls like I do, you know? Um, wow. He he goes on to say, as you know, all brands have to adapt to its consumers. So your consumers are white people. That's what you're basically saying. Like I said, you've taken um, this Caribbean food, as you call it, watered it down to the point of extinction and it being unrecognisable. And you're wanting it to be appealing to white people. And when somebody who is of that culture is telling you that this is an abomination, this is disgusting, you're telling them, well, you're just going to have to deal with it. One, because you don't know all of the Caribbean foods because I've been to all of the islands. And two, we need to forward to the islands to get you your turtle bay. Anyway, you're saying that, well, you don't know because I've been to all the islands, bitch. And then second to that, even if you did know, well, money needs money have to money have to make. Yeah. So we're going to do what we need to do. So um Gary and um, you know, Steve want to eat here too. Um, I know that Gary and Steve, there are black guys called Gary and Steve and it applies to them also. Um, as you know, all brands have to adapt to its consumers. Chinese food in the UK is very different to Chinese food in America and again to Chinese food in China. Indian food is not what Indian people eat at home. Wagamama is not Japanese food, but it is a version of Japanese food and successful throughout the world. Yo sushi isn't quite sushi enough for the Japanese. I'm really sorry about your friend's birthday and wish this had been brought to my attention at the time. What kind of customer service is that, please? Turtle bumper clot? Turtle bumper clot. What kind of service is that? What kind of customer service is that? That is actually very fucking wild. That is incredibly fucking wild that you would say such. You've given all of these examples, but let me tell you something. All of the examples of all of the other places that you've given or the other, um, you know, um, uh, foods that you've um, listed there, at least they know what they're doing. At least they know what they're doing. Because the problem is not that you're appropriate. Well, the problem is the fact that you're appropriating this food, but the problem is that you're appropriating it badly. People tolerate, uh, what's that one's called? kitchen kitchen i want to say kitchen rum rum kitchen people tolerate rum kitchen i actually for a while thought rum kitchen was cute and then my friends were like don't you fucking dare stop doing that and i was like okay i'll stop doing that but at least rum kitchen has a vibe they know what they're doing over there but you every time i see turtle bay mentioned it's never for good reason ever 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 you either you've got a picture of a white man with dreads or something like it's never mentioned with in, in positivity that's got to count for something. 
it's not about the food per se wholly it's about the fact that you guys are wayward you're wayward you're wayward and that's why you're called Churchill Bumberclark because what the hell wow 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 the wrong the wrongness and the strongness of that message I can't even believe it Whew, a mess so anyway my next um uh, so you mad I saw this and I found it really really interesting a man was charged with felony jailed on 50k cash bond for 43 cent theft Joseph Sobolewski I know I know that you guys in America will call him Joseph Sobolewski um stopped at a convenience store in Perry County last month where he saw a sign for 20 ounce Mountain Dew bottles two for three dollars he grabbed a bottle slapped two dollars on the counter and walked out what he didn't know was that a single bottle was $2.29, not $1.50. So he had shorted the store 29 cents plus tax or 43 cents in total. The store called the police who tracked him down. Pennsylvania state police officers charged him with a felony, locked him up on a $50,000 cash only bond. He's facing the possibility of up to seven years in prison. His situation highlights several serious problems in the criminal justice system, according to reform advocates. Police pushing minor matters into criminal courts, magisterial district judges setting impossibly high bonds, and the state's three strikes law for retail theft that doesn't consider the value of the item in the third arrest. Sobolevsky's first theft conviction occurred more than 10 years ago and involved a tank of gasoline. He drove off without paying. In December 2011, he was arrested for stealing a pair of shoes from a Kmart in Cumberland County that cost $40. For that crime, he paid more than $866 in fines and fees and was sentenced to three months in jail for a probation violation. Now, the homeless man faces the possibility of three and a half years to seven years in prison for a theft of less than 50 cents. Um... For me, I would get the deterrent factor if somebody, someone's thefts were getting worse or higher in value, said uh, Brandon Flood, director of the state's board of parole. But the lack of discretion is what bothers me. It's problematic because it doesn't factor the amount. For Sobolevsky, 38 years old, it's unclear whether the situation even fits the element of state's law against retail theft. Prosecutors will have to prove this wasn't a misunderstanding, that he intentionally deprived a store of the full value of the drink. Also unclear is why the employee at the Exxon um, in Duncannon wanted to press charges over a small amount. The clerk um, confirmed to police that Sobolevsky put $2 on the counter. Then she followed him outside and told him, told him he didn't pay enough. Sobolevsky responded that he did and then drove away according to the courts, um, court records. The convenience store manager, who also confirmed to police that Sobolevsky threw $2 onto the checkout counter, declined to comment Friday when Penn uh, Live asked why they wanted to handle this situation in a criminal court. Um, yeah, I read that and I just thought, like, why is America so mad? Why is America so, so mad? Like, what is this madness that is doing America? Because actually it just makes no sense to me. It's ridiculous. It would be one thing if you took the Mountain Dew and just didn't pay any money, right? I would still think it was wild, by the way. But, and the, they've also mentioned that he's experiencing homelessness as well, which is another factor. Um, but the, the thing is, he did pay. He paid $2. He didn't do his maths correctly. Because, yeah, if you, we all know that if we see two for such and such an amount, we know that we're getting a deal. 
right? They wouldn't say two Mountain Dews for $3 if, like, each Mountain Dew was $1.50. They would only say two Mountain Dews for $3 if, actually, if you were to buy two of them separately, they would amount to maybe $3.50 or $4. So there's a discount to be had. So the fact that he put $2 down, I mean, yeah. But come on, you're calling police and then the police are chasing him down and then you set a $50,000 bond, cash only. Everyone's mad. And it's what I'm saying. The very soil that you stole is, is also helping to do your madness. It's really ramping up the madness because this doesn't make any fucking sense. Like I saw that and I just thought about the fact that you can steal land and you can steal people, but if somebody shortchanges you for Mountain Dew, then you're going to bring the full force of the law on them. Ha! What a mess. What a mess. Um, and what else did I see? Well, obviously, you know, I saw um, the everything happening with the deportation of the Haitians, but um, Haitian people in America, but I'll go into that in a second. Um... Yeah, it's all just been a lot. So I saw that the um, most senior black home office employee in the team responsible for the Windrush, uh, Windrush compensation scheme actually resigned last year, describing the scheme as system um, systemically racist and unfit for purpose. 21 people are known to have died before receiving the compensation they applied for. Um, so the Windrush victims have actually launched a legal action over compensation delays. And I think that that was the best thing for them to do because um, Preeta Patel is a jankro, you know. So this is the right thing to do if they're going to get anything from this. But the fact that the most senior black person who was actually working on this scheme was like, actually, this is a bit too racist, even for me. I'm out. Um, that tells you all that you need to know. So I hope that they get justice and I hope that they get the compensation that they were promised because I feel like they're trying to drag all of this out in the hopes that the majority of people will die and they will not get their money. But I pray that that's not what happens because people have to pay up, pay up, pay the fuck up. And even for, personally, you should come out of um, um, Amber Rudd and um, Theresa May. It should also come out of their pocket as well, personally. From their own personal pocket, they should release that money. Um... Yeah. And, you know, going back to America, I mean, do we ever leave America? Because the state of the world, we keep coming back to the same thing. We saw some really harrowing pictures. I'm sure you um, all came across it of uh, people on horses. I would say primarily white people on horses who were um, stepping up the deportation of the um, um, Haitian people. And um, because there was a surge at the border, because obviously you've destabilised their country and they're dealing with some horrendous um, disasters there um, in terms of like, quote unquote, natural disasters, that they're just trying to get their family to safety. And they're trying to do this and you man are on horses and you're whipping them from the horses, trying to push them. They're with their children and you're whipping them. This is the state of the, the humanity. This is the state of what we're living in right now. You're whipping them to get them to move away from the border. And you're saying to them, oh, you can't come here because um, it's illegal to do what you're doing. It's not illegal to seek asylum. It is not illegal to seek asylum. It is a human right that they can seek asylum. And we've just, again, you stole the land. You stole the land you stole people but suddenly you want to be the authority on what is legal and where people can be and where they can't be I just I I'm really fucking disgusted and my love and my heart goes out to the Haitian people who were just trying to get their family to safety um and just want to be somewhere that you know that they can actually have some semblance of a life 
so I'm sending you all of the love. But to see that, because we saw these images of people on horses whipping um, Asian, um, Haitian people in the water, um, the government then said, and this is the thing, when you lot were like, oh, Kamala Harris, oh, Joe Biden, yeah, no more Trump. What the fuck do you mean? What has changed? And a lot of Americans don't like to hear that because they really want to believe that something is being done. What has changed? What, what has really, really changed? They're just doing the same fuckery, but using softer words. And they said, oh, yeah, you know, they won't be um, on horses doing that anymore. Oh, so they're going to be whipping them on foot? Or how else are they going to do it? The fact that it's been done in the first place, not about the horses, not about the whips, is the fact that you're denying them entry in the first place is so fucking wild. And it's disgusting. There's literally enough land space. There is enough space. There is enough space for people to be there. And there is enough money and resources to be able to provide for people to be able to come through and and, and safely reside in um, your country since your country is destabilizing every other fucking thing in the world. So yeah, it's it's just it's just a madness. It's just a madness. And um, I saw that and I just thought, again, we're not focusing on the thing that we should be focusing on. The fact is you don't have the jurisdiction to do what you're doing, to tell people that they can't enter here and there when you stole the land that you're talking about. Um, but yeah, that's that for So You Mad, I guess. So now before we jump into straw of the week, I will just big up the uh, second of this week's show sponsors who are BetterHelp. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Better H-E-L-P, by the way. Um, (laughs) Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Like maybe you were leading the race for ages and ages and then the rain came down and then everything luck off. Um, that there's going to be a lot of feelings around that. There's going to be a lot of emotion that needs to be processed, um, regarding that. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. It's um, BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website, read the testimonials and all of the things there um, and jump to uh, better, betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com forward slash your mind. That's betterhelp.com forward slash your mind and join the over 2 million people who are experiencing just the greatness that is better help. Um, they're recruiting more people, so they have more people available for when you want to chat to them. And um, the special offer for Say Your Mind listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash your mind. So I implore you all to go and try it if you haven't tried it already. I've tried it, fucking love it. Um, and I just think it's really, really helpful that you can chat to someone when it's convenient for you. And you can, you know, you don't know where your your the best therapist for you is. They could be in any state in America right now and they're they're waiting on you. So um, yeah, go and check it out. Anyway, let's get to straw of the week. So first straw of the week, aka suck your mum, is a letter 
from a baby girl. And I've actually been waiting for this letter for a while. So I'm glad that she sent it in. It says here, hey, Kalechi, it's Taylor Shakespeare, the weird pastry chef. You're not weird. You're gorgeous. And yeah, you're a bit weird, but I love it. I, I love it. I Not even but I love it. And I love it. I love weird women. I love it. I'm submitting my former place of work, Tavolino, for straw of the week. After nine weeks of suspension, after shouting at a colleague that told me all women are dogs and referred to me as a sexy bitch, my employment has been conveniently terminated days after an external HR team upheld my complaint of sexual harassment. Whenever I complained about misogynist comments and sexual harassment, I was ignored and told it would be sorted, but continued having to work alongside these men without them receiving formal disciplinary action, just an odd record chat. When I complained to a fellow head chef about a colleague licking their lips at me and calling me sexy, he told me I should take it as a compliment. When I said no, this man wouldn't say these things to other senior and male head chefs. He said yes, because the other chefs aren't actually sexy. I hate them. If I could burn the building down to the ground, I would. Well, we won't be burning any buildings down to the ground. I get what you're saying, though. Um... Tavolino, you can suck your mothers. And this is what people don't understand. A lot of these institutions, or the, sorry, these institutions, these restaurants, these organizations, these companies fail to understand that sometimes the reason that people patronize you is because they know that black people are working with you. I knew that Taylor worked with you, which is why I continue to come back. And whenever I'd have work meetings, um, publishers this that this that I would always be like let's go to Tavolino like let's go there because I wanted to make sure that they were tasting the some of the great things that my baby girl um Taylor was making in the kitchen like she made one um sick um olive oil ice cream she made me try some other weirdness that was really really nice like really really nice was one of them seaweed or oyster she made me try a couple and I was just like on paper I would fucking hate this but in my mouth get it in get it in immediately you have an absolute star a superstar on your hands and instead of listening to her when she's telling you that the behavior of the men in this environment makes her feel unsafe you're telling her oh you should take it as a compliment tavolino fuck yourselves you absolute pieces of shit you could go suck your mothers you dickheads and for the fact that an external HR company told you that, yep, actually, Taylor has a point. You conveniently decided that you were just going to fire her as a Taylor, take them to court. Get your money, take them to court. They owe you money for unfair dismissal. They owe you money. Any lawyers that are out there, go and get Taylor her money immediately because this is absolutely wild this is absolutely disgusting and when we are existing in a time where we're really literally talking about male violence and the casual nature of the violence that women have to tolerate in our society this is part of it it's all on a spectrum right it's all on a spectrum you're telling somebody that this is not cool and this violates my boundaries and they're saying well basically you're lucky that somebody's finding you attractive take it as a compliment what and the fact that you're saying this to a black woman as well, the way that black women have been hypersexualized in our society, you're saying she should take it as a compliment that somebody's calling her a sexy bitch. And then all women are dogs. What? 
That's not okay. And for the fact that Tavolina dealt with this so badly, I hope all of your stores get shut down when Taylor gets all of her money. I hope all of your restaurants get shut down because of the amount of money that you'll need to pay her out for the for this gross, gross behavior on you lot's end. Like absolutely wild. But um, Taylor, I hope you're okay. Sending you lots of love. And um, you know, I love seeing your roller skating videos. You're a baby girl, you're gorgeous and funny, extremely talented, and these motherfuckers will not hold you down. Um, I'm not singing that Christina Aguilera song again. Um, so any other restaurants that actually are great at doing what they do, you need, you need Taylor in your life because she's amazing. But even without you, Taylor is going to be doing great things anyway. And when Taylor has her own incredible restaurant making the best, like, great best desserts ever all of you are going to be crying and shitting in your pants like you'll literally be shitting in your pants from resentment that's what's going to happen um and so then my next straw of the week goes out to somebody that i've already cast previously um kemi badenoch we're back again kemi babblycock i don't know well i do know actually who's out for her but I cussed her out last week because of the comments that she made about the LGBTQ plus community. But even more was received, uh, was um, leaked about her WhatsApp conversations. Um, basically, Kemi said that she doesn't believe in colonialism. And I need Kemi to understand that colonialism is not the tooth fairy. The colonial colonialism is not Santa Claus. It does not require you to believe in it for it to exist or have existed and continue to and um, be pervasive in the dynamics that we see today in terms of upholding white supremacist patriarchy and capitalism. We don't need you to believe in capitalism or sorry colonialism for it to be a thing. So, well, 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 well. It says here. In a series of WhatsApp messages obtained by Vice World News, Kemi Badenoch. Um, dismissed the impact of colonialism and mocked black public figures in the UK. Big up yourself, Ben Hunt, because you have been on her neck. I love it because Ben Hunt was the first one that brought uh, brought about the um, the leaked um, phone. What is it? Conversation that she was having about the LGBTQ plus community, and now we've got this one as well about her comments about colonialism. So it says here, UK Equalities Minister Kemi Badenoch claimed, I don't care about colonialism in WhatsApp conversations obtained by Vice World News. In a series of messages and conversations reviewed in full by Vice World News, the rising star of the ruling Conservative Party, who has just been promoted to take on an expanded foreign affairs role, wrote that um, European powers just made a different bunch of winners and losers on the African continent. Yes, you stupid cunt. Of course they did. Of course they did. Because the people that were originally winning were the people who were actually living on the continent, minding their business. And then the, the, they became the losers because of the barbarians that came to do what they did. Anyway, she says, I don't care about colonialism because I know that I know what we were doing before colonialism got there. They came in and just made a different bunch of winners and losers. So basically she was saying we, we blacks were savages before they came along. So we should really be thankful that they did what they did. Um, she goes on to say there was never any concept of rights. So the people who lost out were old elites, not everyday people. This also goes to show how far back she thinks colonialism or how recent she thinks colonialism is. Because she's talking about elites and it's like, no, there were kingdoms. There were different, there were kingdoms that you clearly know nothing about. And when 
when you're talking about rights, what rights are you talking about? The feigned civility that Europe, um, that Europe has been um, carrying about and um, bombarding everybody with, that they can't live by themselves. And actually, their idea of civility is inherently flawed and it's in inherently um, toxic. The British Empire and its European counterparts believed in the superiority of white people and indigenous groups, experienced ex extreme exclusion, displacement and violence in order for the British to take control and keep it. While there are other debates around teaching this history in UK schools, the effects of colonialism continue today and lives um, and lives are still lost because of colonial era laws. UK opposition party Labour called Badenoch's comment crass, divisive and painfully inaccurate. A UK government spokesperson said the government does not comment on leaked private correspondence. Of course you don't. You didn't comment when um, Matt Hancock was grabbing long back, was grabbing spine, was grabbing arse crack. Didn't comment when we saw all the things that Boris Johnson was saying in these WhatsApp messages. You don't comment. You don't comment on anything. You just steal money. That's what you do. You just steal money and stay quiet. When it's time to tell the truth, you don't know how to do it. Wow. Um, the WhatsApp messages from Badenoch were sent privately or posted in a group chat called Conservative Friends of Nigeria. Ha! You absolute dickhead, you cunts. Um, one of the founding members of the group was Fumi Adebayo, a former associate and conservative supporter. So all of you Nigerians for, for Trump or Nigerians for the Conservative Party, you're all disgusting to me. You're also disgusting to me with your fucking wayward hairlines, with your ashy, ashy legs, ashy knees. You're all a mess to me. Like, how dare you, you unmoisturized, unseasoned, soulless dickheads? What the fuck? When you, like, this just is so scary because it kind of proves to me, like, should shit go left, you know that there are black people who will be like, well, no, I'm not kinfolk um, with any of these skinfolk. I don't want to be um, put together with them. I'm happy to be an overseer. Let's get this shit started. This is the energy that we're getting from here. How are you all undermining the very real reality of what colonialism has done to the continent of Africa. And you're calling yourself conservative friends of whatever Nigeria or whatever. You're all disgusting. My God, you're disgusting. Sour pussy gal. What? Um, Adebayo said she provided the WhatsApp messages to Vice um, because she felt she had to speak up after Badenoch had a portfolio from the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office added to her brief. And see that energy? See that energy that I was talking about earlier of almost getting to the finish line and there's somebody coming to done your dance? In this case, Kemi deserves it, right? But I just think it's interesting how the only time this for me or whatever, I hate that she's got the same name as me. I think her name's for me. Um, the only time that this one decided that she wanted to speak, um, I hope she's for me Lola and not for me Layo. Like, don't be joining me in my name, please. Um, the only time she decided that she wanted to speak up was when it looked like um Kemi was going to progress in her fuckery. And then it was like, no, 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 I'm going to say something. But you were saying something, what? Because it threatened your idea of success. Like, you weren't saying it from a good place because prior to that, all of you were happy to be chatting shit in that group. Like, look at the name of the WhatsApp group. And I even know that they're an actual, actual group that, uh, that have had, like, events and stuff and they're proper, like, lobbying for things. Like, are you guys not ashamed? Are you not fucking ashamed? A mess. What a mess. Um, yeah, just a mess. Um, Adebayo was an investment banker when they first met Badenoch and looked up to the newly elected Conservative MP, one of the few black women in the UK's ruling party. In an interview with Vice, Adebayo called Badenoch's comment on colonialism dangerous and ignorant, but you were all fine with it at the time though. 
Um, these messages show Kemi Badnock's deep lack of understanding and ignorance when it comes to the impact of British colonialism, especially on the Commonwealth nations. But you're all, but you're all still a conservative supporter. So what are you talking about? In one way or another, you all still support what's happening then. So why don't you all shut the fuck up? Um, I mean, I'm glad I said it earlier this year that all of the people that are in their little groups, their little WhatsApp groups. And remember, I did say this. All of you lot that are in your little WhatsApp groups that are plotting against like the success and the well-being of other people who are just trying to get by that look like you. You will all start to fight amongst each other and you will be the ones to expose each other. It's not just these people. There are people in the acting world, the publishing world. Um, I don't know, the fucking gymnastics world um, everywhere. Like you're all going to start exposing each other because what you're doing in the darkness will eventually come to the light because you're all nasty. Um, in the leaked messages, Badenoch also criticises a number of leading black politicians in the UK, including those within her own party, as well as prominent black academics and public figures. Um, she then, uh, there's one part where she mentioned um, Kimberly Crenshaw, which killed me. She said here, um, I was on a panel with Kimberly Crenshaw, who was like the queen. She didn't even spell queen correctly. She spelt it W-U-E-E-N. Look at you, foolish goat. If you didn't spend so much time cussing out Renier Dologi's book, maybe you could have read it and learned some things. You should have definitely learned how to spell. Um, I was on a panel with Kimberly Crenshaw, who is like the queen or the ween of critical race theorer. She didn't even use Y, she used you theorer at UCLA or Stanford. She was practically in tears by the end of it because, and she spelled because as B-C-A-I-S-E. Um, I won't even take the piss out of her spelling in case she's actually, um, got, um, learning differences and she's maybe neurodivergent so I'll leave her spelling alone but her spelling is I have to say rather wayward um it's it's almost like she's spelling like her keypad isn't working properly like you know when you've got a cracked screen and so you're trying to press a letter but you end up pressing the next letter that's how she's spelling but I'll leave her spelling alone and just stay, stick to the fact that she's a she's a dickhead um she says here, she was practically in tears by the end of it because she literally had never heard the arguments I was making and could not respond. Um, somebody said to her, I'm trying to meet you where you are and engage on your train of thought. And then she started shouting that I had no right to be on the panel, the panel because I hadn't read her book. Anyways, let's stop here. We can chat some other time. So it seems like this person was really wanting to and um, wanting Kemi to really do herself because she's cropped the image very, very well. And she's very non-committal in saying, I'm trying to meet you where you are and engage on your train of thought. Basically, I would have clocked from there that this person isn't really vibing with what I'm saying. And maybe I should tread carefully. But obviously, Kemi, because she's a wayward you, continue talking. You think you you, a whole Kimberly Crenshaw, you think you got to a whole Kimberly Crenshaw, you, you with your straggly baggly braids, you, this is what happens when you let regrowth grow for too long, and I've always told you, don't trust black girls, yeah, that have the means to do so, but they choose not to address the regrowth on their scalp, like, they choose not to go and tighten their braids, like, the regrowth will be down to their chin, and then that's when the braids will now start, you have to be very, very wary of these people who have the means, 
I keep stressing that they have the means to not look like this, but they choose not to because they're letting you know by their regrowth, you shall know them. By their hairline, by their shape up, you shall know them. Just look. You always know the kind of blacks to not trust when you see the way that they're moving with the way that their hair looks. Me, I'm not talking about natural this, natural that. My hair's natural. I'm talking specifically about the upkeep of the hair where you have the means to look otherwise because that means that you move in circles, right? That there aren't many black people or if there are black people there, they fucking hate your guts because somebody would have said, oh, hey, I know a hairdresser that can can do something with that. But you think a whole you that hasn't managed to address your regrowth can address Kimberly Crenshaw. You. Ha. Ha. This is what delusion does to you. And this is why when you don't get your braids done on time, the braids start to give in to the pull of gravity and they drag you down to the ground to hell where you belong. That is what happens. You stupid, stupid delusional motherfucker. What the hell? Colonialism isn't a big deal. Like you're a dangerous yeah. You're a dangerous, you're a dangerous you. You're very, very dangerous. You're dangerous to us as black women. And there has to be some kind of collective um, um, decision to kind of like just, just ignore you. A collective sort of like, we're now ignoring you. We don't know who you are. We'll never ever refer to you by your name. We'll just pretend that you don't exist until you disappear. Because my God, are you terrible? Straw of the year goes out to you. You absolute agent of white supremacy. Straw of the year, go suck your mother dry. That is what you deserve. Um, so on that note, what's my... Le- oh, I've got another letter. Whew, another letter and then we're out of here. Um, let's see here. It says here, hello, Kelechi. I hope that you are blessed. The family are blessed and that you are able to live your best baby girl life. I also want to begin by saying a massive thank you for all that you do on this podcast and within society. I honestly feel that my life has changed for the better because of this space. For this letter, I would like to send a massive straw to all those groups who use the trope went to engage with the BME community when trying to figure out their organization's, um, when trying to figure out why their organizations are white as fuck without them actually realizing that they're the problem. I would also like to make this a bigger straw for those groups who focus on providing quote unquote safe spaces for say LGBTQ plus people yet do it in at the expense of non-white folk. For added context, I'm a queer black man and I'm pretty much, um, and I'm pretty much seen as the token child due to the fact that I'm one of the few queer black folk in my line of work. Because of the outreach work I've done in the last few years to help organisations address their racism, both internally and externally, I've been asked to sit on several panels. Fortunately, some places have got their shit together and actually pay me my dues to um, hear my expertise. And funnily enough, these places actually take these suggestions on board. Not saying they're perfect, but still, it's better than we're learning. So tell me why a group set out to help LGBTQ plus folk still have exploitative to the, um, still have exploitative to the black and brown and people who engage in these spe- uh, spaces. They still will ask me to do things for free. They still will ask me to provide suggestions that go on deaf ears. But when I then find out that they've had the same problem for the last five years and been told about it, then I'm like, why am I here? In the latest meeting with one of these groups, they discussed how they didn't have enough people of colour applying for the programme. I gave them tangible solutions that they could use and even offered to help them develop some of these ideas. Maybe because I had hope. Maybe because I was like, you seem lost. Let me help you. Not only did they, after the meeting, um, after the meeting, the steering committee 
Um, not only did after the meeting, the steering committee shut the idea down with no solution to back it, but certain individuals from this group came to me and carried on the, we are anti-racist bullshit in my inbox. It sounds weird. And I pray this isn't the case, but it seems as though those who I personally know with the most privilege in society seem to be the ones actually trying to make a change. So tell me why those who are marginalized in this example, queer white folk feel as though they are exempt from this scrutiny. It's fucking exhausting. And honestly, I want to hand out more straws. Apology if this letter is long as fuck or isn't clear. Writing whilst angry isn't the best state of mind personally, but I needed to get this off my chest. Thank you for reading it and have a blessed day. Lots of love. You made perfect sense. You made perfect sense because this is an ongoing conversation all of the time. I think that people think that because they're white and um, they're queer um, or, you know, or, or marginalised in terms of their sexuality or their gender, that that absolves them of um, um, having or uh, of having these kind of inherent um, manifestations of white supremacist patriarchy. It really does not. It does not. It absolutely does not you know, these things are still there and still need to be dealt with. And part of the problem is because when you try and say things like that, people go, no, 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 no. I know what it's like to be marginalised because I'm X, Y, Z. Yes, but you're that, but you're also white. So you're afforded certain privileges because upon, you know, um, um, being part of this community, you are also white and you can't ignore that um, that fact. You can't, can't ignore it. So I agree with your straws and may they fly. Straws, fly where they need to fly to. So finally then, I've got to finish on um, the note of saying rest in peace to Sabina Nessa, who was killed last week at this point, I think um, quite, yeah, over a week ago, um, while walking through the park to go meet her friends. She was killed in a park in Kidbrook, uh, which is in South London. Um, Sabina Nessa, I think she's of Bangladeshi descent. I think that's what I read. And, um, it's just extremely horrific to know that we are in a society where women are just not safe anywhere. Like they're not safe anywhere. Um, Sabina was a school teacher and, um, a man has now been arrested over the killing. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a lot. It's, it's just a lot. Like it's so much to process. Um, it says here, Sabina Nessa, a 28-year-old teacher from South London, is believed to have been murdered on a five-minute walk from her house to a pub, police say, sparking renewed outcry about the UK's epidemic of violence against women and girls. Um, the Met Police arrested a 38-year-old man on suspicion of the murder. Um, it says here in a statement, on Thursday, the Met said that the suspect had been arrested at an address in Lewisham. He was taken into custody where he remains. Um, earlier in the day, the Met said that Nessa had left her home in the borough of Greenwich just before 8.30pm on September 17th. Detectives believe that she was walking through Cater Park towards a bar in Pegler Square where she had planned to meet a friend. Police are also searching for another man in connection with Nessa's murder, having released a picture of him and a silver vehicle they believed he has access to. Nessa is thought to have been murdered on her journey through the park um the met statement said that with her body found the following afternoon close to a nearby community center um sabina's journey should have taken just over five minutes but she never made it to her destination um we know the community are rightly shocked by this murder as are we and we are using every resource available to us to find the individual responsible 
Um, Zubil Ahmed, Nessa's cousin, told ITV News on Wednesday that the family is still in shock and the news of her death has left them devastated and inconsolable. Nessa, who taught at a primary school in Lewisham, South East London, was truly the most kind and caring person out there, Ahmed said. I don't understand how someone can do this. I really don't. It's a big, big loss to our family. Um, Nessa's death comes six months after the UK was left reeling following the assault and murder of 33-year-old Sarah Everard. Um... Yeah, whew. it's a lot. It's a lot. So rest in peace, um, Sabina Nessa. It says here also, in the wake of Everard's murder, the UK media's problematic relationship with diversity and race was again put under the spotlight. Many activists and social media users drew a comparison between the coverage of Everard's killing and the death of 21-year-old black business student Blessing Olusegun, which garnered little national media attention. Olusegun's body was found on a beach on England's south coast in September 2020. Her unexplained death was not treated as suspicious by local police. Um... On Thursday, Greenwich Council told CNN that they had handed out 200 personal alarms to women and vulnerable residents in the borough this week following the horrific murder of Sabina Nessa. The small device can be attached to keys and handbags or held and activate a loud alarm in the event of an attack. A Greenwich Council spokesperson said in a statement adding that the alarms have been distributed at events since 2019. Um, yeah, so... I feel like, okay, cool, cool. Sadiq Khan is talking about making this, um, making misogyny a hate crime, but I want to know what he's going to do about misogynoir also. Um, they had a, a vigil for um, Sabina Nessa, and I hate that it's, credi um, it's been credited here to reclaim these streets because they didn't organise it. It was Sabina's family that organised it. And that leads me to why I put this particular segment in Straw of the Week. I'm so fucking tired. I'm so fucking exhausted of the, when um, something happens to non-black women, the terms that black women have created become co-opted. Sabina Nessa is of South Asian, from what I understand, she's of South Asian descent right? And we definitely need to speak about the violence that was inflicted upon her and the fact that her life has been cut short because of the pandemic that is male violence within our society. We definitely need to um, address that. What we don't need to do is use the hashtag say her name. And I'm tired of the same, one of the Reclaim These Streets organisers, what's her name? Jamie. She had a cheat to tweet at me after I said this very same fact that I don't appreciate, um, um, you know, say her name being co-opted as a hashtag for non-black people. And she said, oh, well, is that the same if it's for um, non-black women of colour? Yes, the fuck it is. I was very clear in my statement. What are you not understanding? And then when white women come with these energies and then say, oh, I'm not trying to start any controversy. I'm just trying to understand. You are absolutely trying to start controversy. And then you know who you don't want to try, try that controversy with? Me. Because if you controversy, you will controversy feel. Yeah? If you controversy, you will controversy feel. Don't play with me. I was clear in what I said. Oh, what about non-black women of colour? As if non-black people of colour aren't anti-black as fuck. The fact of the matter is, say her name was created as a hashtag for the fact that the state violence or the, the violence that are inflicted upon black women specifically don't regularly just goes not talked about. It goes unamplified in, in mainstream media. And rarely is justice, rarely do we get justice. Sandra Bland, Sarah Reed, Breonna Taylor, like, there are so many, so, so many, 
so many black women and femmes have um, been subjected to violence and you know spe- specifically as well trans women black trans women subjected to so much violence and we don't talk about these things we don't talk about these happenings enough and so that's why say her name is there so it's very cheeky that now when something is happening albeit horrendous and terrible for you to now co-opt the hashtag because it pushes the things that we're talking about in terms of black women it pushes it down and um, ultimately erases it and it also reminds us that all along you knew that this hashtag existed and you fucking ignored it because if you cared you would have been using the hashtag all along and you would have understood why it was specific to black women and then but you saw it and you went oh yeah we're going to use that because I saw it somewhere and I thought it was cute but you didn't care at the time when it was being used for black women so don't come and ask me stupid fucking questions about oh what about non-black women of color can they can, why can't we use it for them too if you don't know why, you shouldn't be doing the job that you're doing. Go and reclaim your sense. Before you reclaim these streets, go and reclaim your fucking sense. Don't ask me no stupid questions. And the fact of the matter is that it was Sabina's family that organised this vigil. They organised it and then you came with your posters and plastered it everywhere. But if it wasn't for the um, black and brown women who had been um, campaigning, who had been organising to try and get people to notice what had happened to Sabina and her disappearance and all of that, like even made it clear that she was missing... You wouldn't have had somewhere to come and promote yourself, your shameless self-promotion. You wouldn't have had that. You only picked up on it once it had gained traction. Then you brought all your posters and started plastering everywhere and wearing your vest saying organiser, but you didn't organise anything. And this is how white women co-opt movements. It happened with Tarana Burke and the Me Too movement. You just come and you take things and you don't care about the fact that black women started it because they just want to be fucking heard. They just want to be fucking seen. But you just come and take it because you feel like, well, now it's happening to me. I understand that something's going on. And I'm just going to take these things because somebody else, or somebody's already done the legwork. It's disgusting. So you can go suck out. You could go and suck out forever. You absolute fucking thieves, you stupid bitches. Go suck out. As I said, RIP Sabina. Continue to use the hashtag, hashtag Sabina Nessa, because we must get justice for her. Everybody listening to this, leave the say her name hashtag alone if you're not talking about black women and femmes leave it alone don't touch it unless you're helping to promote the things and amplify the things that are happening to black women and femmes that we need more people to recognize and to actually get justice for leave it alone do not go and join these wayward reclaim these streets to be to be to be silencing and erasing the the violence specific to black women don't go and join them in their waywardness because they jump there and suddenly they're the ones giving all the tv interviews they're the ones speaking why are you speaking is it possible are white women allergic to just not taking up space and speaking when they when they shouldn't be why are you the one speaking because there are people who have organised well before you who are more versed at speaking and saying the things that need to be said. That includes everybody. But you lot will come and you will have your one directive, your one thing that you're focusing on. And then again, there's always the enemies of progress as well. Like somebody wrote an article saying, oh, white feminists are under attack by other women. And you know who loses out? And you know who wins in this case? Men. No. Because we're pointing out a dynamic that's oppressive does not mean that white women or white act, white feminists are being attacked. They're being told that what they're doing is fucking wrong and they need to address it. So you as a brown person who's doing that, you are part of the problem. And this is why we fucking hate the term WOC, as in women of colour, people of colour or BAME because, or even political blackness. 
this is the problem because the anti-blackness is still very much there within you and you don't know how to shake it but you need to do what you need to shake it off all right like that other white girl said shake it off yeah um, or is that Mariah Carey? I don't even know. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Anyway, thank you for listening to this week's episode of SYM. I don't even think, did I, I don't think I introduced this week's episode. Wow. Did I just start talking and not even introduce the episode? Oh my God. Well, in case you didn't know, you've been listening to SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right. Suck your mum. I've been Kelechi Okafor. You can follow me on at Say Your Mind Pod or at Kelechi Nikoff. You can join the Patreon community on um, patreon.com forward slash Kelechi Okafor. And um, yeah, uh, thanks to Better Help and Skillshare for sponsoring this episode. That's actually mad. I didn't actually introduce the episode. Anyway, peace. It's the Ben's Punani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Every sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.